Hare Krishna. Welcome back all of you for today's session on Bhagavad Gita. Uh, we have been discussing uh, this chapter 4 since last uh, few weeks and uh, this whole chapter is called the Transcendental Knowledge. There are so many beautiful things that Krishna has explained already in this chapter and going forward there are many many important uh, questions that will be asked by Arjuna and a lot of beautiful concepts that Krishna is going to explain. So all that and more uh, we are going to discuss today and going forward. So it will be really very nice that if you can make some notes as you are listening to this because this will be a very good reference for you uh, to go back and uh, listen to them and uh, refer to them back when you are in need. So that is really nice. But as uh, usual, we generally start our session with uh, the Pranam Mantras. So let's begin with the Pranam Mantras. We also have Dave joining us. So let's... Uh, Switch the screen and chant the Pranam Mantras and all of you can please join your palms and chant along with me the Pranam Mantras. Alright, so just a matter of time, give me a second and yes, here I go. Just give me a second, I think now the screen should be visible to all of you. So as usual, let's uh, dedicate this session to my beloved spiritual master, His Divine Grace, A.C. Bhaktivedanta, Swami Prabhupada. So let's chant the Pranam Mantra. Nama Om Vishnu Padaya Krishna Prashtaya Bhutale Srimate Bhakti Vedanta Swamin Itinamine Namaste Saraswate Deve Gauravani Pracharine Nirvishesha Shunyavadi Pashyat Deshatarine Jaya Shri Krishna Chaitanya Prabhu Nityananda Shri Advaita Gadadhara Shri Vasadi Gaurabhakta Vrinda Namo Mahavadanyaya Krishna Prema Pradayate Krishnaya Krishna Chaitanya Namne Gauratvise Namaha Namo Brahmanya Devaya Jagadhitaya Krishnaya Govindaya Namo Namaha He Krishna Karuna Sindho Dinabandho Jagatpate 
गोपेश गोपिका कांता राधा कांत नमोस्तुते तप्त कांचन गौरांगी राधे वृंदावनेश्वरी ऋषभानुसुते देवी प्रणमा हरि प्रिय वाचाकुभ्य कृपा सिंधुभ्य पतीतना पावनेभ्यो वैष्णवेभ्यो नमो नमः हरे कृष्णा हरे कृष्णा 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 हरे 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 रामा हरे रामा राम रामा हरे हरे ओम अज्ञान तुम्हें ज्ञानन जन शलाकया चक्षुरुन मिलित मेन तस्म श्री गुरु नम हरे कृष्ण All right so once again welcome all of you for being here uh, back on the Bhagavad Gita study circle and uh, we have uh, uh, a very wonderful uh, guest here on YouTube Siddharth Dalbanjan thank you so much for joining Siddharth for being here today so there is a wonderful discussion that we are going through and we have seen in the last uh, several sessions in the study of the Bhagavad Gita that how very nicely Krishna has explained that how this particular vedic knowledge was actually given to vivaswan the sun god and gradually this knowledge has been coming down in disciplic succession and because of the effect of time or rather the power of time this knowledge was gradually fading away and every time that happens then krishna has to come back again reestablish this dharma so there is a very interesting question that arjuna asked because he was little confused because he said that how can this be possible that you have spoken this knowledge to the sun god when you and i both of us are actually brothers we are contemporaries so how is it possible that krishna that you have spoken this to the sun god so this was a, a very logical question that arjuna asked and in reply to this question arjuna krishna started explaining that how both the soul and the super soul both are eternal but he that is jiva arjuna cannot remember them all but it is krishna he remembers everything the past present and the future one very strong reason why krishna remembers everything about the past is because he has a transcendental body he doesn't have a material body like us our bodily constantly changes every moment after moment this body is changing and every time there is a shift in the body when there is a change in the body we forget our memory loss happens when there is a change in the body in fact according to the scientists it is said that every 7 years every 7 years every single cell of our body is replaced by a new cell that means practically every 7 years you are getting a new body so what happens is in this process of changing the body we actually tend to forget there are a lot of memories which will get wiped out 
and the greatest memory wipers are birth and death. Moment there is death, there is complete loss of all the previous memories that we have. And that's why we are unable to remember what we have done in the past life, right? So we have discussed about these things and then very beautifully there were two famous shlokas, the most uh, commonly used shlokas and used shlokas quoted by many people across the world that is about Paritranaya Sadhunam Vinayashaya Chidushtruta Yada Yada Hidharmasya We have discussed these two shlokas very beautifully and uh, we have understood why Krishna appears what is the reason for Krishna to appear on this planet and that is how he comes and establishes he establishes dharma on this particular planet So Dev is saying Prabhuji I guess your network is unstable your voice is cracking I am really so sorry for that Today looks like there is a little disturbance in the uh, voice, but please uh, manage and uh, I think this is the best I can do today with whatever available network that we have. So, although Uma Kumar could listen and hear properly, but I guess there is some issue. So, there is a disturbance, uh, Hina Madhaji is also saying. So, let me see if uh, Uma Kumar, can you just once uh, let me know if this audio is clear to you, just want to cross check once again, verify it with you before I actually begin. By the way, my dear devotees uh, on YouTube, you can also let me know if my voice is clear. Yes, Okay, alright, so Uma Kumar is saying it's fine, but uh, by the way, I no, just no, want... No, I am Okay, good, thank you so much. Alright. But also want to check with uh, Siddharth Dalbanjan if he's here and if you can let me know uh, if the voice is clear and loud so that before we actually begin the session uh, these things are taken care of, the technical problems. So let me see, Dave has checked in again. So before I begin, let's see. Let me add to Vina Mataji and Dave. Also to the screen. Okay, so let's go ahead with this and uh, see if it works fine. There is some uh, lag, I definitely see there is a lag. Alright, so since uh, this is going uh, live on YouTube, I cannot switch off the video as well because uh, that will be uh, uh, improper to do that because YouTube will require video as well. So anyway, let's check, let's check if this uh, is going to be better going forward. So let's begin with uh, the very first shloka today, uh, the shloka number 9 and uh, let's see if uh, Dave can join in and chant the shloka. Dave, uh, let's see if you can unmute yourself and uh, chant the shloka, that would be really very nice. Hare Krishna Prabhuji, am I audible? Yes, you are very much audible. So that's really nice. So let's uh, chant the shloka number 9 for today. Janma karma cha me divyam Janma karma jane divyam Evam yogati tatvataha Egam yogati so, Prabhuji, give me one minute, I'll get Bhagavad Gita. 
So this is a very interesting and most uh, important sloka. So we will understand more about this today because there is so much to know and understand from this particular sloka. Yes, Prabhuji, I am ready. Great, wonderful. Janma karma cha me divyam Janma karma cha me divyam Evam yo veti tatvataha Evam yo veti tatvataha Tektva deham punar janma Yakva deham punar janma Neti maameti sorjuna Wonderful. Let's do that once again. Janma karma cha me divyam. Evam yo veti tatvataha. Tektva deham punar janma. Neti maameti sorjuna. Wonderful. Can you read the translation by yourself? Yes, Prabhuji. What who knows the transcendent who knows the transcendental nature of my appearance and activities does not, upon leaving the body, take his birth again in this material world, but attains my eternal abode, O Arjuna. Thank you so much. Hare Krishna. Hare Krishna. So, this is a very, very interesting shloka, very important shloka and uh, great uh, to see Achyutanji here on YouTube, joining us on YouTube. Thank you so much, Achyutanji. So, you see, Bhagavad Gita is full of secrets. There are so many secrets and here, this is a wonderful secret that Krishna is sharing with all of us. Uh, although the previous two shlokas that we had studied about Yada Yada Dharmasya, Glanir Bhavati Bharata, Paritranaya Sadhuna, Vinayashachaya Sushkuta, so these are definitely, no doubt, are very, very important shlokas where Krishna has mentioned about some very important things about his appearance. But Srila Prabhupada quotes this particular shloka, that is shloka number 9, more often than the other two shlokas. It is because it is a secret that Krishna is revealing here. It is very, very important shloka. And as devotees, as practicing devotees, this is a shloka which gives us the ultimate goal of life, the ultimate purpose of we following the spiritual life. So, and what is that ultimate goal of spiritual life? That is to actually go back to home, back to Godhead. That is the spiritual world. We are right now in this material world, but Krishna is promising that if you really want to become free from all anxieties and fears and unhappiness, then there is an option of going to the spiritual world. Why don't you come and join? And Krishna is saying, you can come to that particular place. Such a wonderful thing, you know. See, generally, when we uh, talk about God to people, people have a kind of conception where people think that God is there, but God is there to take care of re-establishing dharma like he previously mentioned. And we are here to somehow enjoy all the material things available to us. But we want to enjoy all these things in a very nice dharmic way. But when there is a dharma, then we want to pray to Lord and Lord has to come down and he has to re-establish, kill all the evil elements from the society and ensure that 
we can continue enjoy our material things as it is so the thing is they want god but they want god to satisfy their own desires and remain in this material world but with not the intention of actually understanding god and going back to the spiritual world you see this is the general conception many people think like that they want that okay god you be there in your world i will be here in my world and i will enjoy here you keep enjoying there but when i have a problem you please come and solve all the problems and ensure that my enjoyment is not disturbed so this is the kind of uh, transaction people want to have with god but that's not exactly what krishna wants us to do because what is the ultimate purpose of establishing dharma why the lord has to come here on this planet and establish dharma yuge yuge again and again it's not simply to establish dharma it is also to give us an indication to make us understand that you don't belong to this world you belong to the spiritual world so lord although he comes here for dharma samsthapana arthaya but that is not the ultimate goal the ultimate goal is to give us the message that we have to escape this maze this maze of material world you all know there are some uh, games we must have played where uh, a person is stuck in the maze and then by the time he comes out he is so frustrated and tired and sometimes it's very difficult to come out of the maze so this material world is actually like a maze so if you want to come out of this maze you need knowledge and you need the guidance of krishna so krishna is the one who has actually created this maze and he knows the solution to get out of this maze so he is the one who mercifully comes down again and again to give us this idea and message of how to come out of this maze right so that's why we need to understand that we don't belong to this place but we have to go back to the spiritual world but krishna is saying here very nicely how to go back to the spiritual world janma karma chame divyam if you can understand my janma if you can understand my karma that is the birth and action of the supreme lord if you can understand then you will be able to go to the spiritual world oh is it so simple no krishna is saying that you have to understand but evam yo vyaktitatvatah you have to understand this janma and karma tatvatah you see divyam when we say divyam this word is uh, in english we can call it as divine something very divine divya means something that is very divine so what is divine see let's understand what is divine what is divyam now from our perspective as human beings and on this planet we are here so this is a section of the creation which is called as terrestrial you know earthly then there is something called as celestial celestial means that which is heavenly but there is something which is beyond celestial that is spiritual so there is terrestrial there is celestial and then there is spiritual right so anything that has to or that deals with spiritual is called divyam it is not that just going to the heaven where indra is there and all the different apsaras are there going there and enjoying some somarasa that is not divine it is again a higher standard of materialistic living going to heaven swargaloka is actually enjoying much better than what you can on this terrestrial platform so we don't have to be on the terrestrial or 
the celestial platform we need to transcend and go to the spiritual world and that is what krishna is promising but that divya loka can be achieved if you can understand the divya janma and the divya karma of the supreme lord krishna because there is no birth for krishna krishna is aja he is one who never takes birth but still when he appears here it is called as janma so that is why it becomes very divine his birth is not ordinary like we human beings we all come in a certain fashion everybody all of us we all have a particular way you see there are different kinds of janma there are uh, shwedaja you know sometimes due to perspiration living entities are created you know there are some living entities where they produce they reproduce by actually perspiration there is andaja andaja means those who take birth from the anda you know like we have so many birds so all they come out of this andaja right so then there are mammals so there are different types of birth but although all these things are there krishna's birth is not like this so let's understand you know when lord rama appeared what a divine birth it was you know dashratha he gave the wonderful pot of sweet rice that came out of the yagna who which was given by agni dev himself and that he in turn distributed to his wives and they ate the sweet rice and they got pregnant by having the supreme lord in their wombs now do we have any such experience that somebody takes in some sweet rice and becomes pregnant it's impossible so this itself is very divine and when they became pregnant they were divine they had that divine glow on their faces because the supreme personality of god was residing in their wombs so lord rama did not appear ordinarily now same way you can you know when lord narsimha comes out he doesn't come out of some mother's womb he comes from stambaja you know he comes from the pillar when prala says no my lord you are here in the pillar so he breaks he comes open he opens the pillar he breaks the pillar and comes out of the stamba then what a wonderful birth of krishna can you imagine krishna who is speaking this bhagavad gita to arjuna was born in a jail we are not born of course it's a jail even the hospitals are like jail today now you see the birth is so wonderful of krishna it's unlike the way we are born in the hospitals of course in uh, even 3 4 decades ago 40 50 years ago women never went to the hospitals to deliver a child because it's not a medicinal thing it is giving birth to a child is not a medical thing it's a very natural process but today it has become a medical thing because they, they want to make a big business out of it anyway that is uh, something which we don't want to discuss right now but coming to this point of krishna's birth you see so wonderful when krishna appeared appeared in the jail both devaki and vasudev were actually uh, uh, there in the uh, kamsa's prison both of them were so divine themselves they were so wonderful devotees of the lord but they were uh, given so much of pain in the jail and there krishna appeared how did he come it is said in the shrimad bhagavatam that krishna first appeared in the heart of vasudev and from the heart he was transferred to the mind and then from the mind he was then transferred to the womb of mother devaki 
and such a wonderful garbhasuti was uh, done by lord brahma he is praying to the lord and all the other demigods are praying to the lord when he was in the womb of mother devki because she was glowing so much that the whole prison which was dark was lightened up and when lord appeared he did not appear like we do he came with his four hands having full hair having his teeth you know holding shankar chakra gada padma in his four hands can you imagine and all the ornaments and all the abushanas have you seen any child taking birth with ornaments and full hair and then uh, all such things wearing clothes and all that no but lord appeared when lord krishna appeared he did not come like us he was wearing ornaments and all these things now the four hand is not like you know sometimes uh, when the babies are born you know instead of five fingers they get the sixth finger also because of some genetic misfiring so now krishna appeared with four hands is not because of some genetic misfiring that is his transcendental body the chaturbhuja form he comes in the four handed form and then he speaks as lord narayana he speaks to vasudev and devaki and instructs them that see it was your prayer that you wanted me to be your child and today i'm here as your child so just to ensure that you believe that i am the same supreme personality of god and i have come here appeared as your son you see that's how and then later on he again conceals that narayana form he takes this uh, two handed form like us now by the way we should know and understand that krishna when he appears on this planet he conceals he conceals his divine form he conceals his true nature of being the supreme lord why it's because he wants to see that love reigns over the lordships you know he wants that love to be supreme that's why he conceals his that form of uh, being the lord of the lord he doesn't take delight in being the lord of everyone he wants to be loved by everyone the supreme lord is not in the need of controlling people he can control anyhow he is the supreme controller he is ishwaraha paramah krishna but he doesn't like to control people he wants to love people and in turn he wants to be loved by all of us that is what he really wants and that's why he comes again and again and remind us that please come you see that's what he wants so here let's understand this is so beautiful when krishna appears why does he conceal because only when he conceals that supremacy of being the lord he enjoys the different rasas the mellows with his devotees for example like mother ashoda you know when krishna broke the butter pot and he was stealing the butter pot and then eating the butter and then giving it to the monkeys mother ashoda took a stick and she was running behind krishna and krishna he was fearful of mother ashoda and he is running away now can you imagine the supreme lord he is running out of fear now krishna was not doing some uh, acting over there he actually felt that fear he really felt that fear when nashoda came with the stick that's why in the damodarashtakam we sing rudantam muhurnetra yugmam rijantam karam bhoja yugmena satankanetram muhushvashakam patri rekanka kantha means means fear. So 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 Krishna 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 was 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 
fully in fear by seeing Mother Yashoda. Muhushwasha Kampa. You know, he was breathing heavily out of fear. You know, when we are fearful, we breathe heavily. Then three reka anka kantha. You know, he had these three lines on his neck, three reka. And then out of kampa, kampa means shiver, trembling. He was trembling out of fear. And this was no acting. He was actually fearful. And only when he does this, he can enjoy the mellow of being the son of Mother Eshwada. And Mother Eshwada, she is the controller of Krishna. Just see the position of the Supreme Lord. So this is why he conceals the, the supremacy of being the Lord of everyone. He enjoys to be a small child. He wants to be loved by everyone. That's his nature. So, and this is very difficult for people to fathom. You know, what happens is when uh, people see such things, they, can, they cannot really take Krishna as, as the Supreme Lord very seriously. When Europeans came, when the Britishers came, uh, to India and when they were exploring India because of uh, political reasons they wanted to reign over India so you see when they were going from temple to temple place to place from South India to North India to West India and Eastern India they were actually seeing this uh, carvings of Krishna stealing the butter pot the paintings of Krishna and they asked people who is this boy who is this person who is stealing he's everywhere all over the place in India so then they explain that he is God, he is the Supreme Lord. And for them, you know, the Europeans, their idea of God is like, Lord is someone who is very powerful. He is supreme, controller. And anybody who does not follow his order, he doesn't follow the instructions of the Bible, then they are put into the fire of hell. And that's called as eternal damnation, where they suffer for eternity. You know, that kind of a conception they have about God. And when here, they come and see, that the Lord is actually stealing butter. Now, it was so difficult for them. Oh, he's God. He's a, such a small boy because he thought God means somebody who will have a big beard and white hair. You know, their idea of God is like that. But here, God is stealing. They could not take it. How can God be so small, first of all? And then how can he steal? Because stealing is immoral. How can God be immoral? Right? And then what is he stealing? He's stealing butter. <laughs> God is stealing butter, what a joke it is, you know, Europeans felt like that. But they don't understand all these different mellows that Krishna enjoys with his devotees. Actually, can you think that, can you even imagine, is it possible for Krishna to steal? Krishna doesn't steal. It is we who actually steal. It is we who take the oxygen from the nature, we take the wood, we take the water, we take the rain and everything we take from the nature but we don't pay. Have you paid any bills for the oxygen that you breathe, for the rains that you get, for the food that we get? No, you pay the mobile bills, you pay the electricity bill and the water bill here but you don't pay it to the Lord, right? But still Lord is so mercifully giving everything to us, you see? So Krishna is not stealing anything because everything belongs to him. See, you can steal, you can be called a thief when you take something from others without their notice. That is when you call somebody a thief. But, just imagine you have, see I have this little money. If I take this money from this pocket and I put it in this pocket, will I be called as a thief? I will not be called as a thief because ultimately this belongs to me. So Krishna... This whole butter pot is actually within him. When he showed the Virat Rupa to Arjuna, everything is within him. 
this butter and butter pot the whole universe is within him so whether it is inside of him or external of him it is actually belonging to him so nothing can be called as stealing it cannot be called as stealing because it is belonging to him he is not a thief but by stealing the butter from the gopis he steals their hearts that is why he does all this pastime now this cannot be understood by the materialistic people the europeans who came right so that's why we should understand that this whole thing janma karma chame divyam evam yo vyakti tatvatah we have to understand this in tatvatah we don't understand janma and karma of krishna without proper tatva without understanding it philosophically we understand all these things with proper philosophical understanding with lot of philosophical backup we understand krishna so just imagine uh, we'll take a analogy of a uh, somebody being in a drama you know in a drama there is a hero there is a script writer and then there is this uh, director so there is a hero there is a script writer and there is a director the script writer is one who actually writes the script for drama and when he presents it to the director the director director understands the whole script and then based on the script he gives direction as to how this whole thing has to be filmed and the hero gets the instructions from the director okay this is how you need to do this is how what you are supposed to do and all these things goes on right so this is how a drama takes place so now let's understand this very important thing that how krishna is actually the hero krishna is the supreme hero when he comes here on this planet he acts like a hero of course he is hero all the time he doesn't have to act but when krishna comes here as a hero he acts as per the direction of the director and who is the director the director is yogamaya what is yogamaya yoga maya is the internal potency of the lord antaranga shakti there is bahiranga shakti that is mahamaya we are all into mahamaya illusion so there are two functions yoga maya this word itself is a oxymoron now what do i mean by oxymoron oxymoron is a word which has two words in it with opposite meanings for example you know we say sometimes that uh he was clearly confused you know clearly confused And then uh, sometimes we say that uh, he's also he's an intelligent fool no intelligent is being intelligent and you are calling a intelligent fool so these are oxymorons like this so here yoga maya is actually oxymoron because yoga is actually one that connects you to god and maya means illusion that which takes you away from god so yoga maya means it's a very special potency of the lord which makes you forget about the supremacy of lord but you get closer to god let me repeat that again yoga maya is a potency where you forget the supremacy of god but you get attached to god when you are in yoga maya but in mahamaya you forget the supremacy of god and it takes you away from the god and that's why we are in mahamaya we are not in yogamaya but the prajabasis all the different gopis and the gopas who were with krishna 
the devotees of Krishna during the Brajalila, they were all in Yoga Maya. You know, Yoga Maya means just like, just imagine, they know that Krishna is the Supreme Lord, but that really doesn't matter to them. What really matters to them is, he is my friend, he is my son, he is my lover. That is how they see Krishna as. That's the effect of Yoga Maya. Just for example, you know, now it's daytime, you're all here. Now when you look into the sky, up in the sky, there are so many stars. You don't see them. Just because we don't see the stars, it doesn't mean that the stars do not exist. The stars do exist, but we cannot see because the presence of the sun. The presence of the sun is so powerful that we don't see the stars during the daytime, right? So similarly, when you are in Yoga Maya, you are so much illumined by Yoga Maya that you don't see the supremacy of Krishna, although he is Supreme Lord, but then you deal with him like a uh, son, you deal with him like a friend. That's how the dealings happen when it is Yoga Maya. Right? So that's why this is how there is a difference between Yoga Maya and Mahamaya. So if you want to act as per the instructions given by Yoga Maya, be in Yoga Maya, then we should know Krishna's this drama in Tattvataha. When Krishna comes here and performs this drama, we should know it Tattvataha. Because if you don't understand Tattvataha, then there is no fun in it. You will not take Krishna seriously. Just understand this with another very nice metaphor. You will understand very clearly. Just imagine there is a slum and in the slum there are a lot of children who are playing. And all these children, very poor and they are trying to figure out something, they want to learn something. And there is a very nice, well-dressed, small boy, very intelligent and trying to play with this uh, uh, slum boys and also teaching them something. Now, when you see this scene, there may be some curiosity in you, right? You may think, oh, who is this? He's so well-dressed and playing with all the other people, other small uh, slum boys and children there. It may uh, give rise to some curiosity within you. Right? You may think, who is this person? But somebody comes and tells you that boy who is well-dressed is actually a son of a chief minister and he is here because he wants to actually help these uh, uh, children in the slum. He wants to teach them just by knowing this fact that the son of a chief minister is doing such a wonderful thing, your appreciation for that boy becomes even more. So, when you just saw that small boy, it gave rise to some curiosity. But when you actually got to know, when you got to know the real position of that person, that boy, and his actions, you got so much appreciation, right? So, the same thing will happen to us. If you simply look at Krishna, you may be amused by Krishna Leela. So, without understanding the tattva, without understanding the philosophy, you will be amused by Krishna Leela. Krishna Leela are very amusing without the Tattva. But with Tattva, Krishna Leela becomes amazing. Because you will see, my God, He is Krishna, the Supreme Lord, and here is He. He is coming and stealing the butter. That's what happened with all the Devatas. When Devatas saw that Krishna is running out of fear of Yashoda, 
they were amazed they were not amused they were amazed why they were amazed because they knew the position of krishna oh he is supreme lord but he is fearful of mother yashoda the fear personified bhaya itself is fearful of krishna and he is fearful of mother yashoda they were amazed to, to see this beautiful thing right so that is why tatvataha there are so many so called spiritual leaders today in the world they don't understand spirituality tatvataha and simply in the name of spirituality they are misleading people so many people are misleading the common common mass of people they say that lord rama is simply a very uh, good human being he was a powerful human being he is not the supreme lord but he was uh, some people even go to an extent of saying that uh, lord rama had uh, led a very pathetic life a very sorrowful painful life you know these kind of statements they make without understanding rama tatvataha they mislead the people and all in the name of spirituality in the name of speaking well there are many people who speak very well very good english they speak very good language they speak to attract people but there is no tatva such people will only create more confusion in the society and that's what has happened in india because nobody wants to understand tatvataha there are people who say that you can enjoy whatever you want to you can do whatever you want to do there is no requirement of you to sacrifice anything but still you can be spiritual that's not going to be possible love when we talk about love there is sacrifice even in the normal uh, relationship of a husband or a wife boyfriend or a girlfriend even in uh, between siblings there is sacrifice when you when there is a question of love there is sacrifice so when we talk about love of god definitely there is sacrifice needed we cannot love god without any sacrifice right that's why yagna but today there are so many so called leaders spiritual leaders who say hey, don't don't sacrifice anything eat whatever you want drink whatever you want do whatever you want but give me a little money and do this meditation do this thing that thing i'll give you some secret mantra and then you'll be happy so such cheating is going so that's why we are making an attempt here to understand tatvataha to understand this bhagavad gita tatvataha so that we don't get misled so we have to take full advantage if you want to go back to the spiritual world krishna is giving a secret please understand me my janma and karma tatvataha if you understand in tatvataha prabhupada is also saying that how eko deva nitya leenanurakto bhakta vyapi riti antaratmaha so it is the supreme lord who is eternally engaged in many many transcendental forms in relationship with his unalloyed devotees if you can also become an unalloyed devotee and be the part of krishna leela what an amazing thing it is right so take advantage of this uh, knowledge that krishna is giving it's a wonderful process that krishna has given us so i think we should uh, without fail take advantage of this particular shloka janma karma chame divyam what a beautiful uh, process you see there are so many people so many spiritualists they are going and doing meditation ghor tapasya going to the himalayas wearing very minimal clothes staying there in the winters and sometimes in the hot summers they are uh, surrounded by fire and so many tapasyas they do but here krishna is saying all that is only going to lead you to the brahma jyoti not even the complete perfection of uh, spirituality here 
we can achieve the Bhagwan realization just by understanding Janma and Karma. If you can understand the pastimes of Krishna, just see, so beautiful it is. Bhakti Yoga is the most relishable process and gives you the highest perfection, the highest goal of life. So this is what uh, Krishna has told in this particular shloka. So we should take advantage of uh, this. But now in the very next shloka, Krishna is going to explain more. Let's understand what it is. So I would like to uh, welcome uh, Deepal Hinge Mataji for being here. Also Arvind uh, Varvekar who has joined us here today on uh, YouTube. So nice to see all of you here. Achyutanji, thank you so much for joining again on YouTube. So this is a very beautiful discussion that Krishna is giving us here. And let's chant the next shloka. So I have uh, Vinod Chandan ji, so you can uh, also uh, unmute yourself and let's chant this shloka. This is a very nice shloka. So, yes, so give me a minute. Okay, Vinod ji, can you see the screen? Uh, no, it's not visible. Okay, just hold on. So there is a very nice thing that will uh, be explained by Krishna in this particular shloka now. Krishna is going to explain something very important. Okay, I think now it should be visible. Yes, yes it's visible. Great. So let's chat. Vitaraga Bhayakroda Vitaraga Bhayakroda Manmaya Mamupashtritaha Bhavo Gnana Tapasa Bhavo Gnana Tapasa Puta Madhava Magataha Once again, Vita Raga Bhayakrodaha Vita Raga Bhayakrodaha Manmaya Mamupashritaha Bahavo Gnana Tapasa Puta Madhava Magataha Wonderful. Please read the translation by yourself. Being freed from attachment, fear and anger, being fully absorbed in me and taking refuge in me, many many persons in the past became purified by knowledge of me and thus they all attained transcendental love for me. Wonderful. Thank you so much. Thank you. So this is a very uh, interesting shloka. So in the previous shloka Krishna said that okay you can come to the spiritual abode if you know my janma and karma in tattvataha. Now, who is the person who can understand me in Tattvataha? So that is what is explained by Krishna in the very next shloka, in this 10th shloka. What is Krishna saying here? Vita Raga Bhaya Krodaha. So Krishna is saying that if you are free from Raga, attachment, if you are free from Bhaya, fear, and if you are free from Kroda, anger, any person who is free from attachment, who is free from fear 
and who is free from anger, he is qualified to take ashraya of Krishna. He is saying, Manmaya maam upashritaha. You can take, you will achieve my ashraya if you are free from attachment, raga, bhaya and krodha. So these are three impediments. These three are impediments in the process of bhakti. If you want to understand Krishna in Tattvataha, what can stop you from understanding Bhagavad Gita Tattvataha are these three things. If any time you are thinking that, oh, this Bhagavad Gita is not for me, this is too boring, it is because either there is attachment, either there is fear, or there is anger. So, many people don't come because they don't want to understand Bhagavad Gita is because of these three things. They have this in the heart. Attachment, fear and there is anger. So let's understand this uh, attachment a little bit because everybody has some sorts of attachment. Nobody is free from attachment, right? Attachment, what happens when there is attachment? What is attachment by the way? What do you mean by attachment? I have a question for all of you. I have a wonderful uh, audience here, live audience, a group of youngsters who also are participating and joining me here live. So I have this question for all of you. So here my dear listeners on YouTube as well as on StreamYard and my live audience here. So what do you mean by attachment? You can mention that in the comment section. What do you mean by attachment? What is attachment? What is your understanding about attachment? So there are some comments, let me see. So Uma Kumar is saying attaching to some materialistic thing which gives temporary happiness. Okay, that is attachment. Okay. That Vinodji is saying, oh this place is mine, that's an attachment. That is also one of the attachments. What Uma Kumar is also saying about having an attachment to a certain thing is also an attachment. What is attachment in itself? Fear of being alone, Girishma says, that is also a sort of attachment. You know, some people are homesick when they go outside and they are with, in the hostels. You know, children, students, they feel homesick. That's also an attachment, being homesick. So, all these are good. But to understand the root of attachment is, attachment is like Hriday Granti. Granti means, it's a knot in the heart. Bhagavatam explains that attachments are like knots in the heart and some knots are so strong they are very very difficult to break some attachments are extremely strong very difficult to break and we are so attached to it the moment it breaks it gives us a lot of pain so there are deep rooted attachments within the heart granti, and as long as we don't break those knots with the sword of knowledge, it's very difficult to become free from attachment. Why? By the way, attachment, why is it so problematic? Because every time we have an attachment with anything, Dave is saying not ready to leave something that we know is not correct for our progress. Good. That's also an attachment. You see, there is a strong attachment and why is it a problem? Let's understand. Whenever there is an attachment, this Rudaya Granti, it actually increases the bodily concept of life. 
देहात्म बुद्धि वॉट डू यू मीन बाय देहात्म बुद्धि देहात्म बुद्धि मीन्स ममकारा एंड अहंकार मी एंड माइंड वेन यू थिंक दैट दिस बॉडी इज माइंड देन एनीथिंग दैट इज एक्सपेंडेड फ्रॉम दिस बॉडी और बिलोंग्स टू दिस बॉडी इज माइंड मी एंड माइंड बट वी क्लियरली नो दैट वी आर स्पिरिट सोल एंड नॉट दिस बॉडी बट वेन यू हैव अटैचमेंट वॉट हैपन्स इज यू स्टार्ट फीलिंग that this is me this body is me everything that belongs to this body is me so ahankara and mamakara increases when there are attachments now the more the attachments that you have the more bodily conscious you become the more bodily bodily conscious you become you forget krishna so attachments are actually taking you away from krishna because dehatma buddhi now in attachments also there are favorable attachments and unfavorable attachments you know there are some very nice attachments when especially a boy and a girl come together and there is an exchange of love between them it's a favorable attachment because you are exchanging emotions there are uh, you know there is a family and all those things so it's a favorable attachment but this favorable attachment is dangerous from the spiritual perspective because the stronger this attachment is the more you feel oh this is my wife this is my children this is my husband right so more bodily conscious you become dehatma buddhi this attachment positive attachment is called sneha this positive attachment is called sneha there is a negative attachment also unfavorable attachment and that leads not to sneha but dvesha hatred and hatred is also a very extreme and powerful emotion in fact when you are attached to someone in hatred it becomes even more prominent you know sometimes when we love people we tend to forget them but when you hate a person you remember him all the time you see when you hate a person it's difficult to forget that person and is always very much into your mind he is always there in your consciousness and by having that person whom you hate in your consciousness you increase the bodily concept of life dehatma buddhi the more you think about these attachments whether it is sneha or whether it is dvesha there is this attachment which will lead ultimately to dehatma buddhi and dehatma buddhi is not good because what happens is when you are attached the next thing is it will lead to fear why fear because you are so attached to it you have the fear of losing it there is a fear many times people are fearful is because of because of this attachment if you have less attachments you are less fearful the more attachments you have the more fearful you are you you can analyze this you take this for uh, as a case study and understand the more attachments you have the more fearful you will become and what happens is when you are fearful and then there is frustration that comes in because when you have attachments you expect results you expect result and when you don't get that result then there is frustration that leads to krodha that leads to krodha so that is why krishna is telling arjuna on the battlefield oh my dear arjuna 
you have to be attached but be attached to the duty don't get attached to the result but what happened to arjuna arjuna was attached to the result he was thinking of the consequences oh you know all this women they will become widowed there will be so much wrong that will happen to this women all the men will be dead in the battlefield i will lose my uh, relatives my grandfather my teacher dronacharya so he was concerned about the result he was thinking about the result all the time and because of that result what happened to him fear it led to fear such a great warrior gandhivadhari and he became fearful if he can become fearful what to speak of us just imagine and he was fearful because of attachment the so called materialistic attachment same thing is happening to us we will become fearful when we are attached to people we are attached to all this materialistic things if you want to become really truly free fearless if you want to become free from fear reduce your attachments with the knowledge of bhagavad gita this knowledge of the bhagavad gita is like a sword which will cut down all the knots of attachments only when you break all this materialistic attachments you will get attached to krishna and that's possible then it's possible to go to the spiritual world see it's a science bhagavad gita is not simply talking some philosophy which is not practical it is practical so krishna is saying you have to break all these knots of attachment only then you can come although he is promising that janma karma chame divyam but how to do how to understand janma karma chame divyam become free from attachment he is demanding he is saying you have to become free then you will become free from fear and krodha you become free from frustration there are many people who become frustrated in life many people and moment they become frustrated in life the first thing they do is they forget god just yesterday well, my mother she had a meeting uh, with some of her friends and when she came back she told me that one of her friend told that she doesn't believe in god anymore because very recently maybe a year ago she lost her husband and that was a surprise actually for her and she could not take it and now because she lost her husband she says that i don't believe in god you see such fragile faith we have in god that komala shraddha we have on god and when life punches us with big problems the first thing we that happens to us is we lose that komala shraddha that komala shraddha on the lord is broken and we don't go back to the supreme lord we are actually supposed to go to god when big problems come but when we have komala shraddha there is no nishta then there is a problem we forget god there are many people you must have come across who moment they face some big problem problem in life they say oh god does not exist i believe i don't believe in god whether we believe or don't believe it will not change the truth god will continue to exist but it is we who will lose one wonderful opportunity to get closer to god that's why kunti marani is saying my lord any big problem big problem or small problem give me problems because when there are problems in life i remember you my lord and remembering you means becoming free from this material world and coming to your spiritual world that is what her prayer was she enjoys to be in problems kunti marani we are not asking for that but at least we should not because of some petty problems of materialistic attachments we forget god that should not happen you see that is wrong
Why people, why did that lady do that? Because she had a strong attachment to her husband. And moment she lost, she was expecting results from that person. Moment her results were frustrated, all that enjoyment that she had thought that she will get from the husband were lost. That's when there was a problem in her heart. Frustration. And that frustration means to forget God. Big mistake of her life. We should not do that. It's not so easy to come to Krishna. Although it appears, but it is so difficult for us to give up attachments in this material world. If you understand and analyze all the criminal activities in the world, you see it is actually following the same pattern. Attachment, bhaya and krodha. Radha, bhaya and krodha. You see, analyze any of the criminal activities that have taken place. It is somewhere they had some attachment. That attachment actually gave rise to some fear. And when the results were not as per they wanted, then there was anger and frustration. They went and committed some heinous act. And that ended up putting them into a jail. Right? So this is a science, a psychological thing that Krishna is explaining. If you want to become free from all these disturbances in life, become free from attachment and bhaya and trodha. Only a person who is free from this, he can understand. Janma karma chame divyam evam yo vetti tattvataha. So that's why we don't understand Bhagavad Gita or Krishna in a sentimental way. We are not sentimentalists. It's a science. When it is a science, we have to understand in a scientific way, not sentimentally. Our understanding of God should not be fragile. Any problem and we shake up and we leave Krishna consciousness. That is not what bhakti is. We have to become vidavrataha. We have to become very strong in our devotion to Krishna. And that is possible when we understand tattvataha. Only by tattva knowledge, only by understanding Bhagavad Gita properly, you can have a strong faith in God. And this is unshaking. Once you have that Dhrida Nishta, it is unshaking. Just like Prahlad Maharaj, just like all these Pandavas, great big problems they were facing. But what happened to them? Every time there was a problem, they were dependent on the Supreme Lord. We have Draupadi, we have all great problems, so many great devotees. Anytime there was a problem, first thing they do is Govinda, they take the holy name of Lord. So we should be like that. When there is a problem, we should remember the Lord. Right? So, very interesting. So, we should be attached to the duty. Right? We should not be attached to the results. So, Krishna is telling this Bhagavad Gita to Krishna Arjuna to remind him of his duty as a Kshatriya. If at all we have to be attached, it is our duty. And we all are supposed to do our duty. So, how do we understand this uh, particular duty now? So duty is of two types. There is Arthika Kartavya and there is Paramarthika Kartavya. Arthika Kartavya means you have certain duties towards your family. Okay, I have to go and get certain things from the grocery shop or maybe I have to go and earn some money, my livelihood. So these are all Arthika Kartavya, taking care of the body and the extended body. That is our family. So this is Arthika. But there is Paramarthika Kartavya also. There is a spiritual duty that we are all supposed to do. For example, you are all coming here and listening, both on YouTube as well as live here. You are listening to this session. This is Paramarthika. 
this is the duty that you are doing to yourself. Right? Let me give you a very nice example of Artika and Paramatika. In Ramayana, when Lord Rama was exiled, he was told, okay, Lord Rama, you are now supposed to go to the forest for 14 years. And Lord Rama said, okay, my dear father, I am leaving Ayodhya. And when he went and beautifully, very nicely explains this to Mother Sita, Mother Sita said, my Lord, I will also follow you. I am your Dharmapatni. I am your Ardhangini. So, I will follow you. It's my duty. She says, this is my duty as a wife. I have to follow you. Now, in case of Mother Sita, she following the husband is Artika Kartavya. It is the duty that the wife should follow the husband. But in her case, it's very special because Rama is none other than the Supreme Lord. So her Artika Kartavya became Paramartika Kartavya also. So serving, a husband serving the family and the wife serving the family, they are all Artika Kartavyas. But now, in the case of Urmila, who is Urmila by the way? Any guesses who is Urmila? Lakshman's wife. Yes. So here, Anjali is saying that it is Lakshman's wife. Now, Lakshmana, you see, moment he got to know that Rama is going to be exiled for 14 years, he said, my dear brother, I'm going to follow you. So he pitched in, he jumped into action. He said, I want to be with you for 14 years. Now, he said, I want to serve you all the time, both Mother Sita and Lord Rama. I want to serve you. I'm going to follow you. But imagine what must have happened to Urmila. Now, Urmila also could have said that, okay, my Artika duty as a wife is to follow her husband. I should also go along with Lakshmana. Right? She could have done that. But she did not do. Why is that? Because she is uh, uh, less qualified than Mother Sita? Is it because that she is not as great as Mother Sita? No. You see the mood of Urmila. Urmila, she knows that my husband is going. Although she could have followed, she saw the Paramahartika Kartavya. Why is my husband going? My husband Lakshmana is going with, with Rama and Mother Sita is to serve them. And he wants to serve Rama and Mother Sita with undivided attention. If I follow my husband, then he will not be able to do undivided service to Mother Sita and Lord Rama. You see? So, with that idea, that sacrifice, with that understanding of Paramatika, Kartavya, she said, I will be here. Lakshmana, you go. My husband, you go. I don't want to be an impediment in your service to Lord Rama. Such a sacrifice it is. It is seeing Artika less than uh, Paramatika Kartavya more than Artika. Not just that. In fact, when Nidra Devi came and told Lord Lakshmana, do you want to sleep when you are serving Lord uh, uh, Rama in the, uh, in the forest? He said, no. I don't want to sleep, Nidra Devi. My quota of sleep you give to Urmila. So whatever time Lord Lakshmana had to sleep, it was actually taken by Urmila and she used to sleep his quota during the day. It's a big sacrifice. So this is Paramarthika. So in our dealings with people, we should always look out for this Paramarthika Kartavya. So now most of us, we are Grihasthas, we are all family people living with the family. So how can we 
understand what is Paramatika Kartavya for us. How do we develop more and more this Paramatika Kartavya, right? Because there is constant conflict between Artika Kartavya and Paramatika Kartavya. Right now also you could have had many other options. Maybe you could have watched some IPL or maybe some other functions you could have attended. My friends are calling me. You could have gone here and there and many other options. Right? That is Artika Kartavya. But in spite of all that, you have come here and you are giving this two hours of time. This is Paramatika Kartavya. So many times there is a conflict. Oh, should I attend this Bhagavad Gita class? Prabhu is calling me again and again Sunday. We are so helpless, you know. If we don't attend the Bhagavad Gita class, then he will feel bad. So come out, do, do ghanta kaise bhi karke hum log toda manage karenge. You know, let me not uh, uh, make him unhappy. So let's attend, just for the sake of attending, <laughs> you see. So all such things will happen. There are a lot of conflicts that will go on in our mind. So for grahastas, for grahastas, the best way to have more of Paramatika Kartavya is to do deity worship at home. To have a small picture of Krishna, of Radha and Krishna and worship the Lord at home. It's very important, deity worship. If you can have a Laddu Gopal or Jagannath Baladev Subhadra at home and then you offer the food that is being cooked to the Lord every day. You put nice garlands to the Lord. You dress the Lord. So when you are so... Uh, involved in deity worship, what happens is your Paramatika Kartavya will increase. So what happens now is, oh, I want to go and earn money. It's not because I want to enjoy myself and give enjoyment to my family, but I want to earn more because I want to serve the Lord more. I want to dress the Lord nicely. I want to offer him nice good stuff. So what's happening is your regular activities, which are Artika Kartavya, is now becoming more and more Paramatika Kartavya. When you have deity worship at home, it makes you more and more involved in spiritual consciousness. So this is what we can do as Grihastas. It is the best way to get rid of all the attachments in our heart. Because this is the science of becoming detached from materialistic things. When you get involved in deity worship at home. And as a family, we can grow together in Krishna consciousness. It becomes an ashrama. That's why it is called Grihastha Ashrama. Ashrama is a place where you worship the Lord. If you are simply married and don't worship the Lord, it is not called Ashrama. We are not called Grihasthas, we are called Grihamedis. Materialistic couples, materialistic families. Right? So we shouldn't be like this. So now what Krishna is saying here, Manmaya Bhaya Upashritaha, if you understand, become free from Raga, Bhaya and Kroda, and you surrender unto me, it is very much possible you will take my ashraya. So Krishna is saying it's not just you Arjuna, actually many people in the past, they have understood this fact. Jnana tapasa, Jnana tapasa, Jnana means knowledge, now acquiring knowledge is also tapasa, it is tapasya. All the engineering students and all the doctor students and anybody, anybody student, when he studies and write exam, it's actually tapasya. So when you, week after week, you're coming here and listening to the Bhagavad Gita for two hours, it is actually acquiring knowledge and in the process it is becoming tapasya. Because you're giving up all the artika duties and here you're listening to Bhagavad Gita. So this is tapasya. 
So what a wonderful thing. See, by listening, understanding, tattvataha, you're getting closer and closer, step by step, towards Krishna. And hopefully, by the end of this life, we will be close enough to enter the spiritual world. Right? This is an opportunity for all of us. So, when you understand Jnana Tapasa, Puta Madhbhavam Agataha, Puta, you will become purified. So what's happening to all of us here when we are listening to Bhagavad Gita is our heart becoming purified. Our heart is becoming purified. It is becoming purified from all the dirty things, lust, greed, anger, envy, pride, illusions. All these dirty things within our heart are getting cleansed. Cheto Darpana Marjanam is happening. Right? So this is how the science of Bhagavad Gita is explaining that you can become free from attachment. You can reach the spiritual world. So, there are some questions also here. Wonderful. Hina Mataji said it was Lakshman's wife. You are absolutely right. And Prabhuji, we look forward to Bhagavad Gita session. No, uh, <laughs> that's true. I really uh, understand that. But I was since uh, trying to pull your legs, all of you, I know I completely understand that you are all very much involved in understanding Bhagavad Gita and you are looking forward for Bhagavad Gita sessions. But I was just trying to pull your legs. <coughs> so that happens, you know. So Prabhupada also is explaining that this is a very blissful process. It's a very blissful process. Krishna consciousness, hearing the Kata, that's why I tell people that you should, Prabhupada suggests actually, that we should read the Krishna book in the night, just before we sleep. You know, you read these stories of Krishna before you sleep, you'll get wonderful dreams, number one. At the same time, you will be so blissful. Just before sleep, when you are getting all these nice instructions, and the pastimes of Krishna, killing different demons and enjoying with his friends and going to the forest and having a picnic, playing, playing with the cows, lifting the Govardhana, dancing with the gopis, playing the flute. What a wonderful thing it is. And we are missing out all these things. So, Krishna is saying that you can become all this, you can come to the spiritual world if you become free from all these attachments. And Bhakti Rasamrita Sindhu, Prabhupada is quoting here, Adho Shraddha Tata Sadhu Sangha Tata Bhajana Kriya Tato Nartha Nivrittisya Tato Nishta Ruchis Tataha Asaktis Tato Bhavas Tata Premabhyadhanchati Sadakha Sadakhanam Ayam Premnaha Pradur Bhave Bhavit Kramaha So these are the different processes of Bhakti. It begins with Komala Shraddha and by associating with the devotees like this, our nishta, firm faith, will be developed. Firm faith will be developed. So, there are some comments. Let me see. Yes, Achyutanji is saying that beautiful concept of attachment and result. Yeah, that is very true. So, we should understand this uh, part of attachment and detachment very nicely. In fact, Krishna is going to explain this uh, in the 18th chapter also more elaborately. Because there are so many things that will come. Here Krishna is giving certain hints and as he continues in Bhagavad Gita, he will give more and more in-depth understanding of these concepts. So it's a very nice gradual progression that we are into. And uh, although it may take another few years for us to complete Bhagavad Gita, but whatever we are listening is going into our eternal credit, in eternal bank balance. It will never go waste. That is for sure. Whether we complete Bhagavad Gita or not is not in our control. But whatever we are doing this yagna of 
sitting two hours every week is definitely, definitely going to add a lot of value to our life. So let's have this uh, in our mind engraved. Okay, wonderful. So let's go to the next words, very interesting words. So Tina Mataji can unmute yourself and let's chant this very beautiful shloka. And that is shloka number 11. E yatamam prabhadyante Tam sataiva bhajamyaham Mama vartamanu vartante Manushyaha pata sarvashaha Once again, ye yatamam prabadyante. Ye yatamam prabadyante. Tam sataiva bhajamyaham. Tam sataiva bhajamyaham. Manushyaha Partha Sarvashaha Wonderful. So please read the translation by yourself. All of them, as this surrender unto me, I reward accordingly. Everyone follows my path in all respects, O son of Pritha. Wonderful. Thank you, Mother. So, so very interesting Krishna is saying here in this particular shloka, he is explaining that So in this very first two lines Krishna is saying that there is a reciprocation from the Lord. I reciprocate with the devotees to the degree to which they are attached to me. So Krishna is saying here, ye prapadyante, ye So the more you get attached to Krishna, the more I reciprocate. So this is a very interesting thing. When there are great devotees, exalted devotees like Prabhupada, Krishna is constantly reciprocating with them. They are constantly in touch with Krishna moment after moment because they are pure devotees. So when we start moving in this uh, path of spirituality, the more we become attached to Krishna, to that degree, Krishna will reciprocate with us. He will start giving us that divine knowledge more and more. This is how Krishna reciprocates. Now Krishna reciprocates in different rasas with different people. For example, there are some people in Shantarasa. So Shantarasa where there are people in Shantrasa who accept, oh yes, there is some supreme power and they bow down to him and they are fearful of that supreme power. There are many people who think of God like supreme power, supreme energy. Shantarasa. So Krishna also will reciprocate them and uh, try to give them uh, some knowledge as per their requirement. Shantarasa. He deals with them but not in an intimate way. But then there is next level of rasa, that is Dasya rasa. Dasya rasa where you know, there are devotees who think that, oh, I am the servant of Lord. 
they go to the temples, they serve the prasadam, they go clean the temples and they serve the other devotees there. Many people who go to Tirupati, they actually do a lot of seva. You know, binding the laddus and queue management and many things like that. So they think and accept that the Lord is the Supreme Lord, my master and I am the servant. This is called Dasya Rasa and Lord Hanuman is one who exemplifies this Rasa. Lord Hanuman, when he went to Lanka and when he was in front of Ravana, Ravana asked his identity, who are you, O monkey? Then how did he actually introduce himself? He said that I am that I am the servant of Lord Rama. The first thing that he said was, I am the servant of Lord Rama. So this is how uh, Lord Rama had a wonderful servant like Krishna. So this is Dasyarasa, where you have a relationship. Krishna or the Supreme Lord reciprocates with his devotees in this particular Dasyarasa. And then there is another little intimate relationship or rasa and that is Sakya rasa. Sakya means where you are dealing with the Lord in a friendly way. Just like Arjuna. Arjuna is the Sakya. Krishna explained in this very fourth chapter, right? He said that you are my dear friend. Krishna said, Arjuna also said, you are my friend. So they both are friends, contemporaries. So you deal with friends in a very intimate way. So Krishna is explaining and he's chastising Arjuna. You are my friend. You are like acting like a muda. You are like Anarya. You are acting. He is chastising. Why he is doing that? Because he is in an intimate relationship of friendship. It is Sakya Rasa. So the reciprocation increases as the Rasas are increasing. And then there is next Vatsalya Rasa. Vatsalya Rasa means parenthood. You know, like Mother Eshoda, she is taking stick and running behind. Nanda Baba is also taking Krishna on the lap and is sitting, you know, he's enjoying that parenthood with Krishna. So this is Vatsalya Rasa. Very, very intimate, again. And then there is Madhurya Rasa, the topmost. Madhurya Rasa is the conjugal love that the gopis have. The gopis were, although they were married, but they were loving Krishna. So this is Madhurya Rasa. Now Madhurya Rasa is even more extreme. It is the highest. Even in the material terms, it is said that love between a boy and a girl, a male and female is the highest. There are certain things which we don't disclose with our parents. But there are certain things, not everything. We, we disclose everything with our, uh, our uh, partner, our husband or a wife. right? So, Madhuri Rasa is enjoyed by Krishna and he reciprocates accordingly. Now Krishna reciprocates with the gopis in a different way. He reciprocates with his parents in a different way, with his friends in a different way, with his servants in a different way, right? So this is what Krishna is saying, The way you want, the more you surrender, the more I reciprocate. And everybody is actually following my path, which means that any attractive thing that we see in this material world is actually getting attracted to Krishna because that belongs to Krishna. Although we may not know that it is Krishna's, when people are trying to achieve some success, even in a materialistic for, in materialistic fronts, it is actually they are getting attracted to Krishna because that jnana, that success, ultimate success, even in material things, is given by Krishna. So in that sense, they are actually attracted toward Krishna. So everybody follows the path of Krishna. That is what Krishna means here in this particular shloka. So you see there are... Uh, 
many more things Krishna is going to explain in the upcoming shlokas. But today, I will stop here and we have some time for Q&A. And uh, you can think of some Q&A. But I know there is a, already a pending question from Achyutanji. So I would like to take up that question. And that was in the previous uh, session he had asked a question about disciplic succession. He said that, Prabhuji, that we have understood about disciplic succession and how this knowledge is transferred from one person to another person, one acharya to another acharya, but how does it get degraded over a period of time? And then he also asked, what are the primary reasons for why the knowledge that we had, this glorious knowledge that we had, is not available to us today? So let's understand this question in a brief way. You see, there is a constant battle that is happening since time immemorial. There are culprits who always want to destroy the Vedic knowledge and it has been since the creation of Brahma. When Lord created Brahma, when Brahma was created from the navel of Garbhodachai Vishnu and he heard the Vedas, he was chanting the Vedas. And the same time when Brahma was chanting the Vedas, there were these Madhu Kaitaba. Madhu and Kaitaba demons who came actually from the ear wax of the Supreme Lord. So these two demons were created from the ear wax of the Supreme Lord. The Puranas explained that. So this Madhu and Kaitaba, they actually stole the Vedic knowledge from Brahma's mind. <laughs> Can you imagine? Yeah, it's see, we have heard of stealing things, physical things being stolen, but here they actually stole the knowledge from Brahma's mind. And now when the demons have the knowledge, there is so much of a problem in the society that they can create. They had done tapasya to please Mother Lakshmi uh, and uh, Mahamaya and that's how they had become very powerful and Brahma could not do anything. Ultimately he had to go to Vishnu and then by the mercy of Vishnu the, the demons were killed and the Vedas were written back. So the thing is, like Krishna explained in the beginning of the fourth chapter, Sakaleneha Mahata the knowledge, even if nobody does anything, the knowledge will decline because of the effect of time. Time is so powerful that it takes away the knowledge. Like in Satya Yuga, the dharma was 100%. But due to the effect of time, in Trata Yuga, the dharma reduced by 25%. And in Dwapar Yuga, further 25%. So in Kali Yuga, it again further reduced by 25%. So what we have Dharma is only 25% now in Kali Yuga. Why? Because of the effect of time. Dharma and the knowledge gradually declined because time is powerful. That's number one. That's reason. But also, we should not forget the very bitter history of India. Now, we Indians, like it is said, in many historical books, it's called Sone Ki Chidiya Bode. India was called as Sone Ki Chidiya. Why? Because everybody wanted to come here and explore India because there was so much of wealth, number one, plus there was a lot of knowledge. There was a lot of knowledge, not philosophical knowledge, but also scientific knowledge. We have so many big, big events and big, big structures built in India which are very very scientific they have uh, we had astrology we had astronomy we had metallurgy we had genetics 
we had uh, astrophysics you talk about it and it is there in our vedic knowledge all the different sciences atharva veda explained all the different sciences it was there very much a part of our day to day life the art of uh, fighting archery everything was there but gradually it declined and more so over in the 8th century now in the 8th century when people used to come here for trading and then gradually the moguls they started coming in and uh, started doing business but then later on in the 12th, 11th and 12th century ad it so happened that uh, many of the leaders the indian leaders the kings were defeated and the moguls overpowered india and there were so much of uh, uh, tortures that were going on in india and they first attacked all the religious institutions the religious structures they broke our temples and using those materials they built their mosques and sometimes they built mosques on the temples and temples at that time were actually not just uh, the places of worship but they were also the places of knowledge so when there is a destruction of a temple then there was a destruction of the systematic propagation of knowledge because the propagation of knowledge used to happen through the temples and the gurukulas so the moguls when they came they destroyed the temples that is number 1 and then they also attacked all the uh, educational institutions the gurukulas now the gurukulas were actually funded by the kings the great kings so all the education system was taken care by the kings even the smallest village used to have a school if not for a hospital education was given so much of importance but now because of all these invasions there was a systematic uh, destruction of all this knowledge in fact it is said when takshashila which is right now in uh, afghanistan now afghanistan was a part of india earlier now we heard about gandhar which were from gandhari has come so it is become kanda takshashila when takshashila and nalanda they were the greatest universities of the whole world many people from greek from greece and vatican and everybody they came to nalanda and takshashila to understand the vedic philosophy they had so many branches of education and when the moguls came and destroyed the libraries there they burned for 6 months they were burning for 6 months that was the amount of knowledge that we had so all that knowledge is gone today unfortunately but still because we had this uh, culture of giving knowledge through oral reception because we were giving we were speaking about this knowledge even now there are so many children who can just out of memory speak and chant all the 700 shlokas of the bhagavad gita if that can happen today in this uh, kali yuga imagine just few years or decades ago or centuries ago people had even better memory with lot of uh, uh, peace in their mind they could remember so much and through this tradition of oral reception the knowledge was transferred but then there was a lot of attack happening and what was happening was they were forcibly converting people hindus into islam that is another reason because if they don't get converted to islam then they have to pay tax heavy taxes were imposed upon people who didn't want to convert and there was so much of suppression and then there was so much of uh, uh, exploitation of the children and the women so all when these things were happening you can imagine how could anyone possibly spread this knowledge in a systematic way 
when all the institutions are getting broken, when the political situation is breaking down, it was very difficult for uh, the educationalists to spread this knowledge. And then finally when, uh, after the Mughals, uh, I think it was only Akbar who kind of promoted Vedic knowledge and under his uh, rule, uh, there were some temples which were built in Vrindavan and Mathura. It was Akbar who actually promoted and built some, uh, he gave some red sandstones and all those things to the temples there. But even though it was given, the temple structures there do not have uh, the olden uh, traditional look of the Vedic temples like we have in South India because even that architectural knowledge was kind of lost when they built the temples in Vrindavan. So that is what happened through the Mughals and after the Mughals we had another blow that came through this British invasion and Britishers when they come, when they came here and when they saw people here in India doing yoga, they thought that oh these people are acting like monkeys. They made fun of us when they saw people doing yoga and today there is a yoga day celebration that happens across the world. So we were not crazy. Indians were never crazy. If at all what India can give to the world is this knowledge to the world. We are the exporters of knowledge. India is supposed to be the exporter of knowledge, not the exporter of beef. Right? So this is the strong thing that was happening and uh, when Mekule came, Lord Mekule, uh, Mekhale, he came here and when he understood the, uh, the system of education, he was blown away. And he was very clear about this. This letter you must have seen already. That how he wanted to systematically break the Gurukulas. Because we were so much, we had penetrated our knowledge through villages. It was so nicely done. But they made us feel inferior. In fact, they said that it is the white man's burden to educate these Indians. It is the white man's burden to educate the Indians. This is what they thought. They thought that Britishers were well educated. In fact, there are so many things that knowledge which they took from here, India, and they established many things in England. They took many, many great scholars from here and many educated people from here and they built London. Then they, there was a time when they said that the sun will never set in England, in the British Empire. And today what's happening, we very well know. It's just sinking in. The sun even doesn't even rise there. So it's a very unfortunate thing that how India was breaking down because of these two big invasions that have happened uh, through the Mughal rule and the European rule, the British rule. And it is also one unfortunate thing because a lot of Brahmins were converted into Islam and Christianity and all such things were happening. So uh, the political situation did not favor uh, we progress in our spiritual growth. And then slowly it, the industrialization was introduced and through this industrialization uh, we further lost touch. We further lost touch with our own culture and knowledge. And today's youngsters are so bewildered. Today's youngsters are so bewildered without any direction. They are just hanky-ponky, they are going here and there without any clarity in life, without any purpose in life. And it's a very sad state of affairs. If this continues for another two decades, I think it will be a great havoc that will be created in India and across the world. There are students we know where they are just in 10th standard and they are into drugs. They are into all types of intoxications. And they think it's very cool to do all this. 
but they don't know how much they're losing upon this valuable human life. So, of course, there is so much to say, and there are constantly great people who have come time and again to re-establish our Vedic culture and to sustain. For example, the Vijayanagar Empire. The Vijayanagar Empire, the king, he really built this whole empire to propagate the knowledge, the Vedic knowledge, the culture of India. That's why when you come to Hampi or Haspet, you'll see so many big temples here. So many wonderful architectural temples. And it was flourishing like anything. It is said in the Vijayanagar Empire, all the jewels, the very precious jewels were sold like vegetables in the market roads, on the streets. That was the, that was the wealth of India. That was the knowledge that India had. So we have to revive. There are a lot of uh, movements like uh, uh, Prabhupada has created this moment, this con. There are many other uh, uh, activists and people who are trying to do this. There is one Rajiv Malhotra who is constantly fighting uh, against all the atrocities that are happening against Hinduism. You can watch him YouTube, some of his YouTube uh, uh, on his YouTube channel. Uh, he's talking about this digital, digital colonization now because earlier the colonization happened through Mughal rule and uh, the British rule, but now there is a digital colonization that is happening. So he talks very extensively about that and he's talking about artificial intelligence, how artificial intelligence is actually uh, creating havoc in uh, the youngsters here in India and many many things are happening. There are constantly, there are forces which are trying to break India. He talks about breaking India forces. It's a very big thing that he talks about. You can go through it and uh, study some of his books. So. Uh, there is a very extensive research and there are a lot of uh, forces that are coming together. He is trying to build a team of intellectual Kshatriyas. So I definitely appreciate the work that he is doing to uh, somehow restore uh, this Vedic knowledge and uh, ensure that the Vedic knowledge is propagated in a systematic way. So there is a big fight that is going on. There are these forces uh, fighting constantly, good and bad. So right now the good and bad is within ourselves. So let us fight this good and bad within us. Let us understand whatever possible we uh, should understand Bhagavad Gita and propagate this knowledge to others. Tell others about this and let them also benefit from this wonderful knowledge of the Bhagavad Gita. So Achyutanji, I hope you got a little bit brief idea about what happened. And uh, yes, they said Rajiv Malhotra exactly. That is uh, one person you can go through and understand about these different uh, uh, things and activities that he is doing to uh, unite Hindus and bring people together so that we fight these uh, atrocities together. Right? So I think I have taken a little bit more time today. So if uh, there are any more questions, you please uh, feel free to ask and uh, definitely we will uh, continue from where we have left. And also I thank all the dear devotees on uh, YouTube who have joined here and heard this knowledge of Bhagavad Gita. Thank you so much for joining. So if you can just say Hare Krishna on YouTube, leave your comment so that I know that you are here. Please uh, make your presence felt so that I know that you are here. So my dear devotees on YouTube, just say Hare Krishna so that I know that you were attending the session. So thank you so much once again everyone for being a part of this and let's continue next Sunday again from the 12th Shloka, 12th verse and let's see what Krishna is going to explain. Okay? So that's all for today. Please take care. Hare Krishna.